0: So we are streaming live on YouTube. How you doing, everybody? This is the John Riley Project, episode number 145. And, man, we're getting ready for sports. Sports is coming back, and we have to bring back our favorite sports journalist, sports social media expert, Mr. David Leland. How you doing, David?
1: I'm doing great now that sports are said to come back, man. It's been a while.
0: Oh, too long. I mean, how long have we been... Hanging around, watching reruns of sitcoms, watching reruns of big games from 30 years ago. It'd be nice to watch some live action.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's been about 18 weeks, I believe it is, since um, I was last on here. You know, had the we're getting ready for the Mountain West and NCAA tournaments. Last time I was on, it's been a while.
0: So, what was it like? Late February or early March? Right.
1: First week of March. I just come back from spring training.
0: And then the shit hit the fan like around, what, the 10th or 15th of March?
1: Uh, The 11th, I believe, was the night that um, Rudy Gobert tested positive uh, for the Utah Jazz. And that sent the NBA into shutdown. Everybody else soon followed. Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, it was. But, you know, now I think we're ready. I mean, they're... We're going to have what opening day for MLB is tomorrow. The Padres opening on Friday. You know, they're talking about maybe postponing um college football. We're not sure about college basketball. We are there's a chance we could start and then get partway into the season and have to stop again.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just so much I know this and it, it all comes so fast too. Like at what point did you were you like, "Oh, this might cancel some events, you know?"
0: Yeah, right away. Obviously, you know, they were hinting that the the NCAA tournament would be no fans in the stands. Then what? It was maybe family only. And then next thing you know, it was just gonzo.
1: Yeah, um, the the first warning for me really was, so my dad and I went to a Vegas for the Mountain West Tournament championship game. That was Saturday, March 7th. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the heartbreaking game we lost. But, you know, whatever, we're still going to be a 2C in the West that night actually was the first, you know, signs of like a warning for me that this could like, you know, turn into something bad. Cause you know, I started hearing more and more people telling me that, you know, oh, somebody in my area, you know, got them. There's been three infections from the County I live in and stuff like that. So at this point I'm like, mm, maybe we might be in for some trouble here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but kind of that fear passed and you know, Monday, uh, my professors at San Diego State, this is on the 9th, we're saying, yeah, we're having a meeting. We might be going online soon. Next afternoon after my classes, yeah, on the 10th, you know, they said, yeah, we're going online. And then, like we said, the 11th was when the NBA suspend the season. Everybody else soon followed. You had MLB and NHL followed. And then the NCAA tournament just canceled on the 12th. That was a very wild week
0: the San Diego sports curse, right? We finally get a, an NCAA team that could make a deep, deep run. And then they cancel the whole friggin' tournament.
1: I mean, like, I, you get, took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. You and I have both talked at length about the San Diego sports curse, you know, add that to the Holy Roller, the 1980 AFC championship game, Donald yes. Sterling buying the Clippers. Um, oh yeah.
0: Um, Oh yeah, I mean we can make the two, a two long list. Two pitch long to Tino
1: list. Martinez in Game One of the '98 World Series. Um, <laughs> the 2006 Division Series. Marlon McCree, Matt Holliday um, blowing the lead to the yes. San Francisco Giants in 2010. You know, Nate Kating. the 24 nothing blown halftime lead against Denver. You know, Spanos <laughs> moving the team. 2011 Sweet Sixteen. You know, just another chapter. It, it, it's. <laughs> truly unbelievable the 1994 montreal expos of college basketball
0: yeah no doubt so let's brutal let's let's dig in on, on the padres i think we're we're feeling those good vibes like we did in the spring you know spring hopes eternal and you know the padres have a chance to you know be pretty good this year i'm pretty excited
1: i'm excited to see what they do i mean they kind of got a tough draw, you know, the way they're doing it. You know, you only play your division and that geographical division from the other league, you know, to reduce travel. And I think the Padres, that really hurts them in my opinion because on in the normal season, the 162 games, we would have played the AL Central, which I think is the worst division in baseball. Right. So now instead of playing Kansas City and Detroit, we're playing Houston, Oakland, and the Angels. And Texas ain't that bad either, so – Right. The Padres really got a bad draw, and that's really going to hurt them when it comes to trying to, you know, get one of those wild card spots because it's pretty safe to assume that even in uh, 60 games where things are more random that LA's probably going to win the division. So if you're thinking wild card, you're probably thinking, you know, the runner-up in the NL Central, and I think Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Chicago all have better rosters than us, and they're going to be playing Kansas City and Detroit while we play Houston and Oakland. So I think we kind of got the shaft on the schedule there
0: Mm -hmm. well at least the the round robin in the al west you know we get a lot more games against seattle than we do against houston so that's a little bit of a silver lining
1: i mean yeah but i mean the al west is a much stronger division than the al central so that really hurts especially when you consider that those nl central teams would have had to play the al east had it been a normal season ah so that's really kind of bad news for us.
0: Well, now, you know, we're going to have another um, another uh, exhibition game. And I was just saw on my phone, I just got the note from the Padres. They just submitted their lineup card for tonight in the final exhibition. And let's see what the lineup is here. It's going to be, come on, Tatis Machado in the two-hole.
1: Interesting. Fam,
0: Fam three, Hosmer four, Profar five. Myers, six, France, the DH in the seven hole, Grisham, eight, and Hedges, nine. That's the starting lineup tonight against the Angels.
1: That's interesting to me. That's actually what I want to get into because, I mean, you're getting to the 60 games. Is it even really a season? Uh, Are we going to call it a season? It's 60 (laughs) games? Yeah. I mean, whatever you want to call it, the Padres are going to play 60 games uh, starting Friday and ending on September, what is it, 27th? Mm -hmm. Um, so you're going to get into that. And like I said, the 60 games is so random and I think we got a really tough draw on the schedule. I believe we had the second hardest schedule in the NL based off 2019 opponents winning percentage. Wow. That doesn't even consider that Colorado's obviously going to be a lot more of a threat in 60 games. And I think they were going to, they were kind of due to bounce back anyways, so I don't think Kyle Freeland would have been as bad as he was last year. Maybe not the Cy Young contender he was in 2018, but certainly better than last year. And then the Angels are a lot better now, you know, because they signed Rendon, Otani's healthy. Um, they got Joe Maddon at manager. And then Texas ain't that bad either. And they got Kluber. So, so it's just a really tough draw for the Padres. So, Rather than, you know, try and be like, all right, let's try and go in there and get it. I mean, it's just so random, and it's such an uphill battle that see what you got in this season. I mean, see if Profar is anything at second base. I personally don't think he is, but hey, might as well try him in these 60 games. Maybe Jorge Mateo, too, who we got from Oakland. You know, when he after he tests negative twice and is able to come back, maybe you get him in there and see what he can do, too. I mean, he's already 25, so... Might as well see what he can do when he's cleared to come back. You know, I want to give innings to, you know, Mackenzie Gore and Cal Quantrill, and that's going to bring me into one thing I hope they do. There is a trade deadline this year on August 31st. So what I hope, and I think this is possible, because he would look good in spring training before they shut everything down, and he looked pretty good the other night um, in the exhibition, is I hope that Garrett Richards, you know, has a good five, six starts or whatever he gets in before August 31st, you know, trade him for like a lottery ticket and give the Indians in the last month of the season to, you know, Mackenzie Gore, Cal Quantrill. Cause like I said, see what you got in these guys. I think you should try and get Trammell as many at bats as possible. And I think another thing in these 60 games is um Myers. And I mean, this is this 60 games for Myers is either going to be, he's either going to be really good for him or really terrible because that's the way he is. Mm-hmm. Based off the things they were saying about, you know, his, new attitude you know the way he was like driving the ball you know in string training before they shut things down the positive things they were saying about him in summer camp you know maybe you know he can get hot and stay hot in these 60 games and then you know only two years left on the contract maybe you can you know attach a Ryan Weathers or something like that to get rid of him I mean if he does well enough that someone's like okay we'll take it if we can get a prospect with it so that's something that we should do overall I think it's about a 500 team and I'm gonna guess 30 and 30 and people who have seen me on here before know I'm pretty good with these record things
0: <laughs> you are you are you do a good. I job. had the
1: nine and three regular season for San Diego State football right I had the 30 and two at the end of the Mel west tournament right for Aztec basketball I didn't have that being the final record though
0: <laughs> right well yeah you thought they'd win a few more games gee
1: yeah I mean so, and I said the Nationals would make the World Series when it was one-one, I believe, against the Dodgers in the division series. So, I've had my fair share of correct predictions on here. So, thirty and thirty is my prediction for the Padres, and that seems about right to me because I do think they have some good players. I mean, we talked about this in the spring training one that we did back in March. I, there's a lot of things I like. They, I like what Tingler's doing. I like this new coaching staff. They got some good players um they got a deep bullpen i mean even with injuries i mean they just made that trade with kansas city too to get tim hill I, i'm not going to miss branchy by the way i mean sure no. the, the the ceilings like sky high but he's hurt <laughs> so often sh- strikes out on his floors like all the way down here right and edward Olivares is is turning some heads in summer camp so i, I think he probably passed up branchy and that's why they went ahead and made that trade
0: yeah i'm good with that trade too
1: I definitely use another lefty because Castillo's hurt again. And I don't just don't think as much as I like the guy, I don't think you can count on him anymore. I mean, this is the, his fourth IL Elston in now three years in the MLB. Right. And the two last year were very long. So you can, you just can't count on him. Even though I like the guy, you can't count on him.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, you're predicting 30 and 30. I think you, I think you've got a realistic set of expectations because, a lot of us are hopeful they're going to be three games over or six games over 500, eight games over 500, but that's still going to be a stretch. I think that's maybe best case scenario. Um, But you've got realistic expectations and, you know, hope for the best, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. If you're saying eight games over 500, that's 34 and 26. That's like, that's like 90 wins over a full season. That's kind of stretching it to me, especially with what I mentioned about about the schedule and, all that.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's um, let's kind of break down the roster. You know, they're they're going to be doing some creative things. Thirty men on the roster to start the season. Um, you know, they're talking about having a rotation through the designated hitter. There's, you know, I don't think either catcher has really secured the job. So let's let's kind of go through the roster, and I don't know how you want to break it down, but I'd love to get your take on it.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of the positions are self-explanatory. Like, we know Hosmer's going to play first base. You know, maybe you can get Myers in from the outfield to play first base and put Olivares in the outfield or maybe just put Ty France at first base against a tough lefty. I mean, a lot of it's self-explanatory. So I'm just going to go with the positions that I think should be specifically addressed. I think if it was up to me, I would DH fam a lot. You know, save his arm and his body because, you know, he plays really hard. You know, he t- he did test positive for COVID. He's already back. Um, and he plays hard, you know. Save him, keep him fresh for next year, you know, going into a contract year, you know, when it's a normal season, you know, give Trammell, you know, close to every day at bats because, like I said, I want to play him and develop guys during this, you know, 60-game stretch so that way next year, you know, when it's a full season, we'll get back in. We'll get into how I think 2021 will be, you know, normal and all that later. But, I mean, you think – you know, get Tremel at bats, you know, go innings, get these guys, you know, ready for like – have them ready to go for next year. That's the way I look at it. So, I would DH fam put Tremel in the outfield. Second base, you know, I'd see what you have in pro far, see what you have in Jorge Mateo when he's cleared. Catcher, I'd I'd play Mejia most of the time. I mean, jury's still out on him. He was not having a good spring training at all before the shutdown. But And would you win a few more games with hedges? Because, you know, the pitchers like him. Probably, but I mean, like I said, the wins and losses this year is whatever to me. So, see with Mejia, see what you got in him in this 60-game stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I, I would do the same. I I would give Mejia, you know, 60-40, you know, two-thirds, one-third, um, you know, spot start hedges, maybe just for selected pitchers. Um yeah, it makes sense, get, you know, give Profar a look over there, give the those young outfielders a look. I think they have an opportunity to, you know, almost play sort of like how the Dodgers have this, you know, depth and a lot of guys that rotate around that play multiple positions. The Padres are starting to get a little of that, and I think it's going to make it a lot of fun to watch them from night to night.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, you know, just just try things out. See what you got for, you know, 2021 beyond in these 60 games. I mean, not only do I not think that they're, you know, quite on the level of some of these, you know, teams that are considered playoff teams and certainly not on, like, World Series-level teams. It's – the way I look at it, too, is this. is like – I'm not saying I want them to go 0-60. Oh, like, don't get me wrong when I say <laughs> this. But, I mean, we've waited so long to see a good team, you know, a not even just a World Series contender, just like a 500-plus team, like a playoff team that – I'm the way I see it is if we're going to, you know, finally have a good year, I want to be able to celebrate it properly, you know, you know, when we can go to Petco and, you know, hang out at bars and watch the games and stuff. So that's why the wins and losses to me this year is, you know, whatever, because I feel like when we finally get a good team, we definitely deserve to celebrate it properly.
0: So – Let's let's take a look at a couple other other important people like Jace Tingler. What have you seen from him so far? What do you like? Maybe not like? Or is it just too early to tell?
1: It's too early to say definitely whether he's good or bad. But watching his uh, press conference after the exhibition against the Angels on Tuesday, I can on Monday, sorry, um, I can tell like he's a lot different than Andy Green, and I can tell press conference that there's way more accountability, attention to detail, and I like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so and, i definitely think he's going to be better even though it's too early to tell for sure yeah
0: I'm, I'm getting you know my spidey senses are like tingling you know tingler tingling i i think he's going to be all right i i feel good about him um he seems to have the right approach so far he's saying all the right things um what about what about preller this offseason what do you what do you think of all the different trades the different signings what, what's your thoughts on that
1: I really liked everything Preller did this off season. I will say this though. The pandemic gave him a uh, bottom an extra year because I think had this been a normal, you know, 162 game season, you know, you heard Fowler with the heads will roll comment and back in <laughs> what was that in October, November?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, right. I mean, but I think the the pandemic, you know, randomized this season, you know, changed, you know, the approach to this season and bought Preller really an extra year. So I think now 2021 will be the winner-you're-gone year for um, Preller. I know I talked about in here how I – before on a previous episode how I thought 2020 was going to be that year for him. Now it looks like 2021 is going to be that year.
0: And in your opinion, what do they have to do in 2021 for Preller to keep his job? Just just make the playoffs?
1: I mean, make the playoffs as a wild-card team or finish a couple games back, one of the two.
0: Right so you know really be in contention in late september
1: yeah like i don't think you know it'll be a position where like you know next year we win 87 games and miss out on the second wild card by a game or two that he'll get fired for that
0: mhm well i i'm intrigued i mean i i think there's a lot of great possibilities here but we know that anything could happen i mean you know that virus could you know go through that clubhouse and then suddenly you're starting cronenworth at shortstop and France at third and you've got guys that are out for the season I mean things could change very abruptly depending on how this plays out
1: see that's why I mean I don't even really like that's why it doesn't bother me whether we win or lose this year because this season's such a fluke anyways like my friends and I were talking a couple weeks ago they're like so if Bueller and Kershaw and Muncy and Bellinger and Betts all get COVID do we win the division (laughs) we were saying that a couple weeks ago like it's just so random like it might even come down to who has the least positive
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Anything can happen and that's, what's going to make this so interesting. I mean, it's, it's like a, like you take a a chess board and you just throw the pieces in the air, see where they land. Um, this is going to be fascinating, but you know, it's interesting. You're talking about the Dodgers and Muncie and Bellinger, all these left-handed hitters You know, getting Tim Hill, I think is a really good pickup.
1: Yeah, it'll really help, uh, counteract the dodgers and all those lefties that they have i mean all their best hitters besides uh mookie betts are lefties so
0: now mookie betts is getting ready to sign his deal today isn't he or are they just negotiating what's it looking like
1: it sounds like he's about to sign it
0: so it's is it for more money than machado yeah wow remember we were hopeful that he was going to come to san diego
1: i mean we were not going to be able to give him the um the money that the Dodgers are giving him, especially not after, you know, the virus and the pandemic and, you know, not having, you know, ticket revenue this season. There's no way we were going to be able to re-sign him.
0: So if you are Jace Tingler and opening night on Friday night, and we're opening what against uh, Mad Bum and the Diamondbacks. Yes. If you're penciling out the lineup card, who who? what's your defensive configuration and your batting order for Friday night?
1: All right, so I know I talked about how I give Tremell a lot of at bats, um, but same goes for Edward Olivares too. So I mean, you're facing you know a lefty and Bumgarner, and again, this is this qualifies as I don't think Bumgarner's necessarily that good anymore because he had a 5.29 um, ERA away from Oracle Park last year, but he has owned Hosmer in his career. I believe Hosmer's <laughs> 0 for 15 against him. I think I saw the other day. Right. So this is one of those lefties where I um where I'd sit Hosmer against. So I'd probably go – apparently Grisham actually has pretty even splits. So I'd lead Grisham off in center field. I'd go Pham second, left field. Tatis third, shortstop. Machado clean up at third. Excuse me, I'd go Pham um, DH. And then I'd go fifth, you know, Myers right field, sixth. I'd go Olivares left field. Then you get down to Mejia, catching Profar, second base. And then Ty France – actually, I moved Ty France up to seven at first base and then Mejia and then Profar.
0: So, now, that lineup makes a lot of sense, but you know and I know that Hosmer is going to start on opening Oh, day.
1: probably. I'm just saying what I would do if I yeah. was Joyce Tingler. Exactly. So, And
0: what's your take on the rotation? I mean, we were already talking about Garrett Richards – I think one through four is pretty obvious. I mean, who is your number five starter? How do you see Gore and Patino and maybe some of the other young arms kind of working their way in to the rotation or the bullpen?
1: Well, I'd go Quantrill five and put Lucchese in the bullpen. And then, you know, I, like I said, I'd get, you know, your five, six starts out of Richards. And if they're good ones, like I think they will be, you know, you, flip him for some lottery ticket, what you can get for him, then give his innings in September to Gore. I don't yeah, think you see Patino this year. Maybe, you know, a start or two in September because he was not close to ready last year.
0: I mean, you figure you signed Richards to a two-year deal. You basically ate it for the first year. And then would you flip him after only like a handful of starts? That, that's an interesting idea. But I guess it just depends what they get back in return.
1: I mean, the way I see it is it's more of like, you know, he's Richards was pretty much always signed to be a stopgap until all these great young arms that we talk about come up. Mm -hmm. So in a season where there's no minor leagues and Gore otherwise just isn't pitching, you know, you get whatever you can get for Richards, you know, hopefully he does good and we can get a decent lottery ticket for him, you know, and plug Gore in there for his starts the last month of the year. So Gore still gets some major league experience this year. That's the way I see it.
0: Yeah, actually that makes sense. You're right. There is no minor league season. Otherwise, those guys are just playing, uh, you know, pickup ball at USD, really. I mean, sandlot ball.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, that's all that they're going to be able to do. Um, all right, so what, what's your take on Jake Cronenworth? What do you think of this kid?
1: I like him. I like the versatility. You know, it seems like he's got, you know, a good approach at the play. He's got a nice swing. like what I saw from him in Peoria back, you know, end of February, start of March when I was there. I like him. Not sure how good of a pitcher he is because we haven't actually seen that, but his numbers and his pitching numbers um, for Tampa's AAA team last year were pretty good, so he can mm-hmm. probably do it for you if you need him to.
0: It seems like he's going to make the opening day roster, and this will be, uh, you know, first time for him. So this is a, a, big, a big moment for him coming up on Friday night.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's be really interesting to see where he fits in long-term. I definitely think he can be, you know, like a utility infielder emergency pitcher long-term for this team.
0: So what other thoughts on the Padres? Any, um, any other comments you want to make before we kind of hopscotch around, take a look at some other, other topics?
1: Well, here's, I just want to close out with this one last thing about MLB. And this is probably a pretty unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it anyways is that, you know, I talked about how like if when we have finally have a winner, we deserve to celebrate it properly, you know, with the parade and, you know, packed house at FECO and all that. But for this season, I think a great team to win the World Series would be the New York Yankees. And here's why. Number one, I mean, they've won so many damn times. It's like, you know, if they don't get a parade or whatever, don't get to see it at Yankee Stadium, you know, it's been there, done that for them. They got 27 rings. So that's not going to really matter. Number two, more importantly, is, You saw what New York City went through in March and April. It was absolutely horrifying. So to have that city see something to celebrate like that would be pretty amazing.
0: It's an interesting take. But, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Um, Especially, like you said, this season is almost sort of doesn't count. Um, So why not let the Yankees have it?
1: Yeah, I mean, let them have it. You know, if they don't get to celebrate like normal, they have celebrated like normal 27 times. So it's not a big deal to them. And, you know, it'd be great to see a city that was just went through just an awful time in March and April. It was it really was horrifying to see what happened in New York City in March and April. And the big credit to um, Governor Cuomo for not only how New York City and that whole state has turned it around. I mean. But that still doesn't change how horrifying March and especially April were in the New York City area.
0: Right on. But, you know, wouldn't, that, wouldn't it just be our luck, you know, the San Diego sports curse, we somehow – it's a fluke. The Padres win it all. But then people say, ah, it doesn't really count.
1: See, that's another thing, too, is like, like I said, this isn't going to happen. Like, there's no way. Yeah. But just because, you know, we're not quite there anyways, then we kind of got, you know, a tough draw on the schedule – and, you know, the Dodgers still exist. So it's, there's no way it happens. But, I mean, I, would, I have zero interest in being dragged into the is it legit or not debate. And, you know, obviously, if the Padres somehow did it, I'd be dragged into that debate. And I just right. don't want to get into that debate. Like, <laughs> when this nightmare of a year is over, I just want to put it in the past. You know, I don't want to be reminded, oh, does, did that World Series count, you know?
0: <laughs> so are you, are you following the news with the Blue Jays? They're trying to find a home.
1: That's crazy to me,
0: because I just read today that the city of Pittsburgh said we're not going to be able to accommodate you. It's like their health department said no, so hey, I the was health- the
1: it was the state of Pennsylvania because they didn't want you know because you know the blue Jays are in the a l East and that's they're playing the n l east so you, you got teams from Atlanta and Tampa Bay and Miami, you know Georgia and Florida are two of the worst states right now, and uh. you'd have teams from the city teams from those cities and states coming into Pittsburgh and they didn't want that
0: well it was interesting because originally I, they were saying you know they could just play in Buffalo which makes a lot of sense but then you know they want a major league facility but even if they even if you know the COVID situation wasn't you know the big problem it would be really hard to get the schedules to line up so that you could share a major league facility
1: well, what they were going to do was they chose uh, Pittsburgh partially because they only had about, I think, seven of the 66 days. They had a home game the same day as the Pirates. So what they were going to do is for those seven, they were going to go to the other team's home city, but they be the home team.
0: Ah. So this is this is another crazy deal. Remember the year way back when, when the Montreal Expos didn't have a home and they were like vagabonds? And now, now that we have another Canadian team going to be in a similar boat.
1: Well, you mean like the last couple of years in Montreal when they were playing half their home schedule in Puerto Rico?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Or or, um, you're talking, you know, after Hurricane Katrina when um, the New Orleans Hornets at the time, now Pelicans, were playing their games in Oklahoma City because of Katrina damaging New Orleans Arena.
0: Yeah, so it's a similar situation. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how it's all going to shake out for them. Um, But, I mean – my goodness! Are they going to be opening up tomorrow night or Friday night? I'm not sure, but
1: they're Friday night. They're on the. They start on the road, so they have time to figure out where they're going to. Their home base is going to be for their 30 home games. I ultimately, I think they're going to have no choice but to call Buffalo home for these two months.
0: That to me that makes sense. I it's mean, they're AAA teams
1: there. It's not that far from Toronto. It just yeah. it makes perfect sense.
0: I agree. Um, So what's your take on um, those cardboard cutouts behind home plate? Are you going to be one of the faces back there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how, like, the Padres are doing that, but I will say this. If you put cardboard cutouts in the stands, have tarps cover up some of the empty seats with advertisements, which teams should do to try and recoup some money, Right. And you pipe in crowd noise. It'll feel close to real for me. Cause you know, I've watched Padre games on TV before where it looks almost empty. So if you pipe in crowd noise, it'll <laughs> yeah. feel, you know, like a normal game, you know, a normal Monday in April.
0: Well, my understanding is, is that the Padres are going to have, I think it was um, family and friends of the players that were going to be right behind home plate. Um and, I was watching the Dodger Angels game last night, and in a Dodger Stadium they had those cardboard cutouts behind home plate. And at quick glance, it just felt sort of like normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, you look at it, you know, there's a visual of people behind the plate, even if it's not actually people. And then if you pipe in crowd noise for like a home run, you know, and you still play the bell or whatever when there's a home run, you know, then it'll feel, you know, as close to normal as it can feel. Well, at least
0: we won't have to look at people staring at their phones when the game's going on.
1: I know, right? <laughs> you know what's the silliest thing about all this is that after these sixty games are over, you know, and we can get into why I think it's just gonna be these sixty games, despite what some sensationalizers think. We'll get into that later. But we're gonna get used to it after and then up, it's over, you know. We don't have to deal with it anymore. It's gonna be funny like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know, they say it's gonna be a sprint. You know, they say that maybe they're going to manage the bullpen differently. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm, curious to see how this plays out. But why would you think there wouldn't be a postseason? And you think because of COVID is going to start ra- uh, raging again in the fall?
1: Oh, no, no, no. no. I mean, I think there's going to be a postseason. I'm just saying that once, you know, this season's over and we get used to, you know, the empty seats, you know, it's just going to be boom. We don't have to deal with it anymore.
0: Ah, okay. So I did
1: not. I'm not. I said said sixty games because I don't think the Padres are going to be in the playoffs. I guess Ah. if you are watching the postseason too, if you're just a baseball fan, which you know me, of course.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, let's let's um let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other sports. I mean, the NFL is coming, college basketball, college football. Um, How do you see all this playing out?
1: Well, I just don't see how there's going to be a college football season. I just don't see it at all. I mean, you're seeing, you know, even the SEC is doubting if they can play a season now. If you've been listening to their commissioner's comments the last couple of weeks or mm-hmm. days, I should say.
0: No, I haven't heard. I any. mean,
1: you just, you just look here. I mean, all these. Um, I don't think we're going to see Aztec football this fall, unfortunately. I mean, you just see way too many cases of these outbreaks in states that had um. And I got the list here of all these states that were doing decent or better. And then they had their college athletes return to campuses and they just skyrocket. I mean, Florida and Georgia, you don't need me to tell you what happened there. Mm-hmm. Mississippi, I believe, will Miss players returned to campus in Mississippi State. Alabama, obviously they had their football players returning to campus. Basically all the South because, you know, it's like live and die with college football down there. Right. Same thing happened in Louisiana. You know, they had a big spike early because of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Before everybody knew this was a big deal. They came back down pretty quickly. Then LSU players returned to campus, started going to bars in Baton Rouge, and now Louisiana's back on the up. Um, Tennessee, you know, another SEC state. Kansas, Kansas and Kansas. They had actually been doing pretty well, but then Kansas and Kansas State football players returned to campus. I believe there was – they had players testing positive and then there was in Douglas County, Kansas, where uh, KU is, they, had, there was a big outbreak at a bar there. I mean, you're trying to tell me that, that early 20 college athletes aren't being stupid there. I mean, right. And then so. North Carolina, South Carolina, again, you know, ACC and s c c States, you know, have their players returning to campus and you see a big outbreak there. And I mean, it's just, like, again the south because you know college football is the number one thing there by far so you got right. them like we got to have college football Still so they're getting their players back on campus and cases are skyrocketing then you look at the northeast where college football is like a blip on the radar and look new york we talked about their recovery new jersey's doing well connecticut's doing outstanding massachusetts has a nice recovery same goes with rhode island the other three new england states because you know up in the northeast college football's way down there so it's not like they're like, we got to have college football and like rushing players back onto campus for that. And look, Northeast, slow and steady wins the race.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, have they even talked about starting the college football season maybe later in the year? Um, They've
1: talked about um, a spring season for some conferences, but then there's field issues with that. Cause I believe soccer, I think it is or lacrosse and they're just worried about like field availability for like spring sports too. some people don't think it's practical to play. You know, Jesus. I saw one, a former college football player who has two sons playing the FBS right now. And he's saying, man, 20, 24 games in nine months, you just can't do that.
0: Wow. Yeah, you can't it. it, it the whole thing is a cluster for the people trying to do scheduling, but in many ways it's like, you know, you're shadow boxing. You're not sure what's going to happen with the rollout of COVID, you can create these plans and then a week later they could be blown out the window. So what do you do?
1: I just don't think you can play college football this fall, unfortunately. And I mean, same goes for the NFL too. I mean, cause football, especially cause football, I don't think no people real, I don't think it will be an NFL season either. Cause the thing about football that people need to realize like, dealing with this sport with the virus, like it's a respiratory virus. So it's not like, you know, your sweat from the ball. Like when you pass the ball, it's more of like you're breathing on somebody close contact, you know, basketball, a guy tests positive, you know, you can, you know, isolate and test, you know, the guys who are guarding him. Like they did with Gobert, the guy on the Pistons who was guarding him, they tested him. And of course he tested positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And baseball, obviously, you know, if, you know, a center fielder tests positive, you know, just quarantine him, get him out of there, you know, bring somebody up from the taxi squad, no big deal. You know, same with a pitcher, second base, shortstop, whatever. Just get that one guy out of there and quarantine him, bring somebody up from the taxi squad. But with football, let's say a center tests positive, all right? Because they're not going to be able to 100%, as good of testing protocols as these leagues might have, they're never going to be able to 100% ensure a guy doesn't have it before it goes out there because, you know, you got, false positives you know the incubation I mean sorry false negatives the incubation period and you know if they unless they test them every single day and get results right then um so let's, let's say a center test positive right though about the nose tackle lining up right across the room what about the guards that are right next to him what about the tackles that are right next to the guards what about the defensive ends you know and it just goes on and on and on that like if one guy has it it's like half the team could have it and it's just such a disaster waiting to happen that in this climate, I just don't see how you can play football.
0: No, you can't. I mean, picture like a great visual. Remember those um, videos from, what what did they call it, the Ice Bowl? Was that the one where the Chargers played the Bengals that one year?
1: Yeah, um, at the old riverfront in Cincinnati, the 81 AFC championship game.
0: Yeah, and you see the highlights, and you got those linemen, like nose to nose, and you can see the condensation coming out of their mouth and, and nose. And yeah, that's just like a cloud of viruses that could potentially be infecting the whole offensive and defensive lines.
1: Yeah. I just, I just don't see how until you have, you know, a vaccine, I don't see how you can play football. Like, honestly, it's just hard to see.
0: It is. Yeah. And well, college football normally starts in late August, right? And then the NFL in early September. Correct. So they're going to need to make some big decisions here pretty quick. I mean, when. They, they've started some of the summer camps for college, right?
1: Yeah, that's what I was talking about with this list right here of, you know, all the outbreaks that they've had. That's why I just don't think there's going to be a season. NFL supposed to go into training camps, you know, this mm-hmm. week and next, and you've got players expressing their concerns about safety. They're like, hey, we want to play, but what about these safety concerns?
0: Yeah, um, I think we're all looking forward to seeing Brady Hoke, you know, lead the Aztecs, but, yeah, we have to, you know, hit the pause button for next year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's just tough to see how we play college football this year,
0: and then college basketball normally starts in early to mid November. Yes, that's that's going to be probably pushed back till after New Year's. Right?
1: Here's the way I see it: like I don't think it's going to be able to start on time, just the way things are going. And you know, Rick Pitino's back in college basketball now. He's at Iona.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Did you hear what his suggestion was to start the season? No. What do you say? His suggestion was, you know, and this is something that I personally thought of too. He's like, hey, why don't we just push it back to January, you know, buy time for, you know, a vaccine to be developed and start getting distributed. And we can talk about that after I'm done with this because, you know, maybe this could actually work too because we'll get into why I think that can work. But he was saying, you know, push it back to January, play a conference-only season, you know, buy some time for them to get it in there, you know. And that might work. I mean, the only issue is now like how are you gonna determine like who's really better, you know, and like without a non conference season. I mean right. But you just have to roll the punches. I mean, it's gonna be weird, just like baseball this year. It's gonna be weird, you gotta work with what you got, you know, but it's the only I think it's the only way you can salvage a college basketball season, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean that to me makes a great deal of sense. And the alternative is is that you start after New Year's and then March madness becomes May madness. You know, something like that, right?
1: Or April Madness. I mean, I don't think yeah. anybody's going to complain, you know, after not having a tournament this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, March is usually my favorite month of the year. You know, you got my birthday, you got spring training, you got yeah. March Madness, and then opening day right after that. I mean, and March just turned into a nightmare this year.
0: Yeah, it's awful. I, I, I'm with you. March and October were always my two favorite sports months. And, yeah, both of them could be wiped clean with nothing going on. This is just 2020
1: nuts. is just 2020 <laughs> is just an awful year.
0: It is. Um, yeah, I've been following you on um, social media, and you are very closely following the science around COVID, uh, the all the um, press conferences of Dr. Fauci, and all of that. I'm interested in your take on you know the the broader issue of this pandemic.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not a medical expert. I'm a sports guy, and I'm a sports guy, and that's why you bring me on here. So I just try and listen to, you know, the Dr. Fauci's, the Scott Gottlieb's, and I'm going to talk about them right here, is um, I think, you know, as as crappy as 2020 is, I think, you know, with the exception of, you know, we might not have a March Madness still, but I think with the end, might not have a, you know, NFL playoffs and Super Bowl in January and February, but I actually, I definitely don't think we'll have that, but. Other than that, I think once you get to, like, March of next year, I think things are going to be pretty much back to the way they were. And I'll get into why I think that. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've heard, you know, it's been all, for almost two months now, Fauci's been like, and I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll have, you know, a vaccine not only approved but widely available because they're producing at risk, you know, end of this year or the beginning of 2021. He's been saying that for two months now, basically that same timeline, and What's interesting about that, too, is that I was just watching, looking at random stuff on YouTube. Actually, I was found it when I was searching for a video that I'm going to reference later in this, when I was doing my research for this, is I found a video of, you know, Fauci's timeline talking about specific things related to the virus. And he was saying on January 28th, he said he was cautiously optimistic that they could start a phase one trial within three months. The phase one trial started in the middle of March, less than two months later. So if he's cautiously optimistic about, you know, end of 2020, the start of 2021 and his la- and the cautious optimistic from preclinical to phase one was ahead of his timeline. I think we should feel pretty good about that. And, you know, I've seen, you know, the specific things from some of the operation warp speed candidates, you know, I got, you got here. Um, Pfizer looks like the leader in the clubhouse right now. And I was just reading today that they're going to apply for FDA approval in October, have, you know, doses ready to go in December. You know, U.S. has 100 million right away and up to 500 more million just from Pfizer. You got University of Oxford, which we got, you know, 100 million from whenever they're ready to go. And they say that they're going to have the doses ready in September. So whenever they get approval, we'll have that. You know, Moderna, which Fauci and the NIH is directly overseeing. I mean, that's probably the weakest of the three candidates because that one doesn't have, like, T-cells like the other two do, but it's still, you know, not a bad candidate. So yeah, so I, I'm pretty optimistic on that front. And I think a sleeping giant in here is Johnson & Johnson. They're a big pharma in, I believe, the United Kingdom. And they moved up their timeline. I think they're still a little behind those three, but that's a big deal. That, that could be a sleeping giant. And I also read something about NORVAX, um, another Operation Warp City candidate. They're kind of more unknown, but they're pretty confident, you know, by the end of 2020. And I read something a couple weeks ago that they actually were developing and actually got to a phase one trial for um, SARS in what, 2003 or 2004, whatever year that was. But then of course it got scrapped because it kind of just fell off the map, which unfortunately this didn't do. But And then I also read something that 70, that from 2006 to 2015, 74% of vaccine candidates that made it to a phase three made it to the market. So if you got, you know, four or five candidates, you know, the math would say three make it. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, three out of, cause four out of five would be 80%, three out of five would be 60%. So it's somewhere in between there. I'd lean on the less side cause you know, nothing's ever a guarantee. So I'd lean, you know, towards the low end of that, but three out of five or two out of three, you know, that'd be, or two out of four would be perfect. I mean, you'd be able to, you know, have enough right away. And that's another thing. I mentioned Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA director, I've been listening to what he's been saying as well. And he was saying, and by the way, he's a Pfizer board member still. So that's, so he, he's, so he would know. And he says, this said a couple weeks ago, he's like, I think this will be over by January because you know, you'll have enough infections and recoveries and, You know, you've heard the big debate about antibodies, but Fauci said he hasn't seen any documented cases of reinfection. South Korea's, you know, top infectious disease expert, so I guess you could say the South Korean version of Fauci was saying, you know, those second positives we had were, you know, shedding the dead virus. And a mayor of some city in New Jersey had um, antibodies in May from, and he claimed he was super sick back in November. Mm -hmm. So the I guess they do last longer and that was that was an IgG antibody and I believe it was it was either Pfizer or Oxford I can't remember which one but one of those two had um the the T cells which is awesome because those last for years and the IgG antibody which was great because that lasts at least six months and um yeah and Scott also says he thinks that even now with more testing we're still only getting one in 12 cases and that in the early days we were getting one in 20 and i believe them on those counts because i know you know five to ten people who have told me like yeah i had all the symptoms you know december january february march including some i was i was one of those I, yeah i remember that i remember we almost the one we did in february we almost didn't record because you weren't you were feeling under the weather
0: oh i was yeah down for the count in, for a portion of february for sure and had many of the COVID symptoms, but who knows if I had it or not? I don't know.
1: I mean, if you did, I mean, I mean, I remember you wouldn't let me shake your hand because you were still, you know, kind of getting over it. But right. I think I got a little closer than six feet, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what, this guy's what's his name? Scott Gottlieb? Any relation to Doug?
1: Uh, I believe so. I'm, I think they're brothers. Maybe I'm not sure though on that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of fun. Um,
1: so, anyways, yeah, and I there are people who are listening to this podcast that I know that, you know, had those symptoms in December, January, February, oh, yeah. March, never get, were able to get tested. So I definitely believe him that one and whatever. So he thinks that it'll be over by January just because he thinks we'll get to a vaccine, you know, and we'll only uh. need to, he estimated we only need to get like 30% of the population vaccinated because, you know, just so many people have had it and recovered because of the people who never found out they had it. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, I hope you're right. Um I think if we come out the clear on the backside of January. I think that's, that's good news. I mean, considering the alternative.
1: I mean, another thing I want to mention too is that the city of Philadelphia put a van, put a ban on large events through February of 2021. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, February, 2021, there's two things from that. Number one, I think it was the right thing to do because it's so much easier to pull it sooner than, you know, keep extending another two weeks, another month. Right. So, and it's, it's very easy to say well things got better we're we'll pulling the ban now which could very well end up happening and and but number two the way i think to say that is they said that it was based on their timeline when they think a vaccine will be available so if even in planning for the worst they think you know by march we'll have one you know that's perfect you know then we'll get 43,000 people at opening day at petco on april 1st also <laughs> against arizona next year i mean that's great and i i really think that's going to happen cuz and i got a couple of i'm not sure if you'll be able to see these but so these were, can you see these or?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you got some charts there, it looks like.
1: So, um, I mean, so these were like when the, when the virus first broke out in March and April, you had all these people trying to make models of like ways they thought this could go. You know, here you got, you know, the consistent kind of slow burn. You know, obviously that didn't happen. You know, the one big wave and then a drop off, that didn't yeah. happen either. We're kind of looking at higher. this. We're kind of looking at this one right here where, you know, sorry, this one right here where, you know, you had a little bit, then it got better, and then it spiked back up and we're about, like, right here. Then it goes back down another third, smaller wave, and then, you know, kind of goes through that. And then here, so I got this, and it says, you know, I'm not sure if you can see the we are here right here. Okay. So you get down here, and then you see a little bit of an outbreak, like December, January right here. Then say so you get to a vaccine down here. And then the dash line is where I think it, where you could go, you know, if you get to a vaccine December and January, which I've talked just talked about is what I think is very much in realm of possibility.
0: Yeah. Um, that would, I mean, it would be great to be on the downside of that curve for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, base and even last thing I want to say on this is I got this right here. Dr. Francis Collins, you know, the director of the NIH was on it, you know, so that's Fauci's boss. Um, mm-hmm was doing an interview on CNN with Wolf Blitzer and Wolf was just saying to the guy, you know, we keep hearing, you know, how bad the fall and winter could be, which, you know, they, they they were wrong about it dying off in the summer. So maybe, you know, things do get better in the fall and winter. I think they will. Cause I mean, you're kind of trying to starting to see a plateau in those States that are getting hammered. And you are seeing some States, you know, show signs of turning the corner like Arizona. So you're seeing a plateau or signs of a downturn, you know, in some of these states that are getting hit hard. So I do think that, but anyways, he was saying fall, winter, we keep hearing it's gonna be really bad. But you know, spring of 2021. You think we can get back to the good old days? And Dr. Francis Collins, director of the NIH, said to Wolf, you know, you know, we're thinking end of this year, start of 2021, we'll have a vaccine for the highest risk people, and then you get to spring and there'll be one for everybody. So I really am very optimistic about what the spring of 2021 and beyond will look like. And I'm pretty confident it's going to look that way. So guys, it's going to be, got to get through this year, but I think 2021 is going to be a great year.
0: Yeah. I think we're all looking forward to a sense of normalcy. Um, And yeah, I mean, we, it's interesting to talk about the vaccine. I, I know wasn't Bill Gates was, was talking about funding some sort of a manufacturing facility or or system to you know have mass production of the vaccine so maybe he's behind one of those companies you were talking about
1: well i mean he can i mean he's he's not like a doctor or anything and i and i hate that cnn treats him like one when they bring him on yeah, to right the town halls i hate that cnn treats him like a doctor but hey if he's gonna he's got you know billions so if he's gonna donate money to speed up production good on him
0: well they treat greta thurnberg as a scientist so you know anything's possible uh it's funny wolf blitzer this is just kind of a crazy tangent the first time i heard about him this is before your time was during gulf war 1 like in 1991 and he was one of the war correspondents and i was thinking man what a fabulous name for a war correspondent wolf blitzer you know uh that he's been with cnn like forever it's like he's probably going on 30 years now
1: perfect guy to be called wolf too you know with his you know white little goatee and the white hair you know
0: well it wasn't white back then but yeah now it is yeah now it is i'm in the same club as well so wow um wow here we go we're talking sports we're talking science uh this is fabulous yeah so what else what else you got you you can't prepare with notes you always do i that's what i love yeah about you,
1: David. So i mean other- i just I, I had to say what i thought about you know what happened you know with the NCAA tournament getting canceled and that ruining the Aztecs dream season, Jeez. you know, I got into the Padres and what I want to see out of them in these 60 games. I got into what I think Aztec sports will look like in the fall and winter. I got, you know, some optimism in there for 2021. Last thing I want to say is what, whenever the NBA draft, you know, I believe it's in yes. October, they pushed everything back, you know, go get a Malachi Flynn, whatever that is.
0: I agree. Do you think he's got a shot to be uh mid to late first round?
1: I've heard late first, early second, either way, I think it was the right call for him. Cause oh, you know, totally. he's going to get, you know, a million dollar contract and you know, there might not be a college basketball season. The draft was going to be deeper next year. So it was absolutely the right call for Malachi to go. And it just made me respect him more because shortly after he made the decision, Dutch went on with um, Ello and T- Chris Ello and Tony Gwynn Jr. And was saying, Hey Malachi really, really wanted to come back, but, we had to convince him it was the right thing to do to go. So right, we're, we're going to miss you, Malachi, and we're going to be rooting for you in the NBA.
0: Oh, no doubt. He's a he's a good young man, and it's always great to see another Aztec in the NBA. And um, this
1: magical season that we just had, unfortunately, we'll never see how it ends. Huge credit to him for it. He was oh my God. probably the biggest reason for it.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. Um, now, I'm seeing video highlights of um, – of NBA are they starting some of their workouts or
1: yeah they are and I believe there's some some scrimmages going on between teams and you know they're starting the um the seeding games and qualifying um for that last seed in the playoffs they're starting that next week too
0: so they what they have like a week or two of the regular season to make up and then they're going to go right into a normal playoff yeah wow um that's gonna be great too it's like things are starting to come back um it's exciting. I just, yeah, well, uh, I, I just hope we don't have, have sports to Sports
1: on the- TV so that people aren't bored and coming up with stupid conspiracy theories.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. I, I can't agree. tell you how
1: tired I am of ser- of seeing all those conspiracy theories.
0: Oh yeah. And then just, you know, yeah, some of the crazy BS on social media. It'd be nice to get back to the normal BS <laughs> with uh, I mean, some of the
1: sports. I mean, it's, it's nice to argue about, um, whether or not sign I mean I never thought I'd want to be arguing about whether or not um the Cosmer signing messed up Will Myers but that's a lot better argument than some of the garbage we've been seeing these last four months
0: <laughs> yeah 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 that's still that that's signing there's a lot of heads turned on that one a head scratcher
1: yeah last thing I want to say is uh, also on Aztec basketball um Really sucks for Yanni Wetzel and KJ Fagan. They came here from oh. losing programs to play in the NCAA oh. tournament. Oh. And then that happens. I mean, and now they're gone. You know, they were they were big contributors to our season, too. So thanks, Yanni. Thanks, KJ. Sucks we couldn't, you know, play in the NCAA tournament. That's what you guys came here to do. And we certainly were going to be there. So I so, feel so bad for those guys.
0: Oh, man. That's just brutal. But I, I, I saw something. Isn't Yanni like trying to get on to the New Zealand national team or something like that? So these guys I are didn't see that because i deleted
1: ball. Twitter because I'm sick of the crap on there. But <laughs> I mean, once yeah. he's certainly good enough.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna you know we got the um, the Padre Angel game tonight, the final tune-up. We got uh, opening night Friday night. Um, I'm fired up. I'm gonna be watching Sports. The game tonight. Sports is back. So hopefully the Padres can score a run in, in the in the nine innings. Um, I know. That last game was rough.
1: Yeah, it was pretty rough to watch. I mean, the pitching was fun to watch. Pagan looks nasty. I mean, oh. and you got Kirby's going to be a free agent after the year, so that's probably our closer going forward.
0: hmm Yeah, that bullpen just set up so brilliantly. So I, I'm just feeling really good about the pitching. And they just hit the ball. Like they say, they score like four runs. Good chance they're going to be winning a lot of games.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, All right David, I'm looking forward to it. Going to check out the game tonight. You know, hopefully we'll have some have some fun in these 60 games, see what we got going forward and, you know, some of these young players and go from there. Well,
0: right on, David. Thanks for joining me. I always enjoy having you here talking sports, talking science, world affairs. Uh, <laughs> we're going to break it down. Uh, but thanks for joining me. And um, Thanks for having you know, me. You know, let's uh, once you check back in, maybe we get a little deeper into the season, maybe the midway point. We kind of approaching that trade deadline. I think we'll have some things to talk about as we get into mid to late August for sure, right?
1: Yeah, because we'll know for sure what's going on with them. You know, as to sports, then I just don't think there's any way they can play. But we'll be able, we'll know for sure by then. Can maybe break that down a little bit. Maybe Mm -hmm. they'll have some kind of spring plan for Mount West only games or something. I don't know, but we'll know more then. So looking forward to it.
0: All right, David. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk to you later. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks.